He has spoken on the topics faith, family and freedom in Cuba, Belgium, Brazil, Congo, UK and all over the USA to crowds from 14 to 40,000. Please help me welcome J. Lauren Norris. What is the most unusual thing you would keep in your tool bag? Or you know, the, the little bag of stuff that you keep in your car. Maybe it's the emergency jumper cables or the little yellow triangle or the reflective triangle that you might hang from the trunk lid to say, I'm in trouble. I remember back in the day when they had those big signs that said, we need help. And people would actually stick them in the back window of their car so that other passersby would know. For a season, it was just leave your hood up. If your hood is up, everybody knows you need help. Of course, that was back in a day when you could trust that somebody driving down the road would actually pull over to help you if you had a crisis. Not only that, but there's really good chance that you'd find someone who could pull over to the side of the road and help you solve whatever problem you might have. That's not so much anymore. But I, I think the the question, what is the most unusual thing you would have in your tool bag, really goes to what is it that you've experienced that causes you to prepare for something that in your mind is a genuine problem, and in other people's minds, they might look at you a little strange and go, I'm not sure why you're preparing for that. What are the odds that it would happen? Now, I can tell you this for a fact. Only a couple of weeks ago did it change, but my neighbor down the street actually has a car with the label on the side of it that says Zombie Mobile, and on the other one, Apocalyptic Rescue Mobile. True story. I guess zombies and the end of the world are coming at some point somewhere, but if that's the kind of preparedness that you have, I'm wondering if your preparedness is realistic. But I can tell you the most unusual tool in my tool bag for a long time was a turkey baster. Yep, in the tool bag in my truck, I carried a turkey baster for several years. I'll tell you why today on this episode of Leading Leaders. For our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast. And you might ask yourself, what kind of preparedness tells you that in your tool bag, right next to the spark plug wrench and the very specific wrench that takes the coil pack off of my truck because my old truck is 20 years old with 375,000 miles on it. And Coil pack number six on the right bank uh, goes out on a regular basis. When it does, if I don't catch it fast enough, it'll burn out some O2 sensors and then the catalytic converter and cause all kinds of problems. But we've kind of caught on to its systematic process now. We catch the early clues and usually catch it. But you have to have a very specific size eight millimeter socket with a bit of an extension and a swivel to get it off of there. And if you find yourself on the side of the road, it's not hard to swap out unless you don't have that tool because the wrench isn't going to do it and pliers aren't going to do it and you can't get a crescent wrench in there. You have to have that socket. Yeah, if you open my tool bag right now, that ratchet with that extension, with that socket, they pretty much never come apart because in all the years we've owned that truck, that's the most likely suspect if we're stranded on the side of the road. But that's not the most unusual thing I've ever carried in my tool bag. There was a season when we had an old Ford Excursion, you know, the big 7.3 diesel motor in it. And it had a unique problem. Those old F-250s and the anything that had the 7.3 semis had them. The F-250s and 350s had them. The Ford Excursion had them. 
And the 7.3 had an issue with the O-ring right at the back of the fuel injection system where everything came up from the fuel pump at the tank into the engine. And those O-rings would dry rot after a period of time. And what would happen is raw fuel would drip out of there onto the top of the hot engine block. Well, it's in such a way that you can't just shove a rag in there and soak it all up. And if you did, now you got a rag covered in diesel. You don't want to do that and you're dressed up and on your way to work or on your way to a meeting. And so I thought and thought and thought, how in the world am I going to get all that out of there? And one day I was watching my mother baste a turkey and I said, that's how I'm going to get that out of there. And I rushed to the store and I bought me a turkey baster. And for the probably eight months or so that I couldn't figure out exactly where the leak was coming from, I carried a turkey baster in my tool bag. I was prepared for what wasn't yet a problem, but I knew it was coming. I'll tell you something else with that old truck, the cam position sensor. That truck was infamous for that. In fact, we bought an F-250. That's how we knew that. The F-250, the day we bought it, the guy left the parking lot after we signed the titles over and it wouldn't start. We sat there for an hour in the heat, screaming and yelling and mad as all get out. He had just left the shop and they'd just done a full inspection on it. Before we would buy it, we made sure that the Ford dealership went through it. They didn't catch that. It's on a recall. But later I find out. It's so common that most people that own the old Ford 250s, they carry those O-rings with them and they carry a cam position sensor in the glove box. Because it's just one bolt to take it out. You might get dirty, but they cost 17 bucks. A tow, getting it towed back to the shop for somebody else to fix it, it's going to cost you three to four hundred because it's a heavy truck. You got to pay attention to these little things, right? But you got to know what happened before so that you'll know what's going to happen in the future. That's what planning is for. But sometimes, sometimes you got to have a plan for something that has never happened before. I mean, the pilot's license. Nobody had one when the Wright brothers went up in the air the first time. It wasn't raining when Noah built the ark. They had a plan to execute. They practiced and they, they went after that goal until it was achieved when no one knew that it was coming. Again, Bill Gates, with all of Microsoft and everything that has been created around that, the multi-billions of dollars that have been generated by that, Steve Jobs and all of the Apple products that started with a little music device to carry around music with. Nobody knew they needed that. There wasn't a, a demand for it. There was no crisis that required someone solving the problem of a portable music device until they had one. Now we have them and they're all over the place and they're so common, everybody wants one. But look at all the things that have evolved from that plan before there was a need for the plan. My, my challenge to you as leaders is to ask yourself the question, what are the things that could happen that I haven't even considered could happen, maybe that could happen that have never happened before? See, it's one thing to say, well, we knew that there were hurricanes in this area, and therefore we built hurricane walls to catch that water that's going to come during the storm surge. Uh, unlike New Orleans many, many years ago, because the city is below sea level, the levees are what keeps the ocean out of the downtown area. When the Katrina hit, 
those levees didn't hold the amount of water that the storm surge sent. Okay, it's not hard to look back at the past and go, this is what happened before, we're going to plan differently for the future. That's not rocket science. Now, getting the precise measurements and just exactly what could happen, that's a different thing. Or having the prediction of a storm that has never happened before, you know, that once every hundred years, we're looking back going, okay, well, in the last 50 years, we've never had a storm that big. And then all of a sudden you have that once in a hundred year kind of a storm, like the ice storm of Texas a couple of years ago. That was a once in a hundred year cold snap. It lasted for a couple of weeks, hasn't happened in a hundred years, may not happen for another hundred years, but it caused some people to go, okay, we weren't ready for that. We didn't have a plan for that. We weren't prepared for that. History didn't indicate to us that we should be, but now we know we need to be planning ahead of that. As a leader, how often do you assess the position that you have, that whether it's your marketing position or it's your product position or it's the plan for the future that looks and says, well, what if this does happen? You know, the what if process, asking yourself, if I do this, what's the most likely outcome? That process should never come to an end. There's never a time in your life, no relationship, employees, peers, superiors, customers, clients, providers, vendors. There's no time in your life that the what if process shouldn't be applied to that. What if there's a world pandemic and we see the shutdown of everything economic? What happens to your food supply? What if the ships that are supposed to be delivering things to the, to the ports all around the world get stuck in one place and for weeks they don't move? What if there's no union workers on the docks to be able to unload those ships, and so the food that's on them is rotting in the sea. What if? What if that stuff happens? Well, it never has. Okay, but what if it did? If it did happen? I, I think banks call it a stress test. Other financial institutions have been challenged to, to take worst-case scenarios and say, what if this worst-case scenario happened, then what? What if there was a massive earthquake and maybe the one set of the power grid uh, went down? Can the rest of the country cover the power grid? What if there was some wildfire that's, you know, burned up the power grid or, or shut off the water in, in one part of the country? Could the rest of the country live with that? I mean, look at uh, the earthquake that hit Mount Everest in that area in Nepal. I mean, it was a city of millions of people that wasn't built earthquake ready. They hadn't had a whole lot of them in a long time. Not like Japan, where the, literally the buildings are on rockers. So when the earthquake happens, the base of the building, the foundation of the building will move back and forth and the building will stay upright rather than the building staying rigid and the top flopping around. Now, they're built because Japan is prone for earthquakes. They're built to sustain that. They've looked way ahead and said, what could happen? What if that happens? How will we prepared for that if that happens? See, that's a process a what-if process that has to be addressed by every leader. Again, maybe it's relationships, maybe it's hiring, maybe it's employment, maybe it's marketing strategies or product strategies. All of those things have to be addressed by the leader. Why? Because nobody else is going to do it. The reason that you are the leader is because you have the foresight to say, what if? And if that happens, then we'll do this. Look, I know it's not average fair, my stepdad kept some of the weirdest things I've ever seen, like dental mirrors in his toolbox. Mechanics who've been around for a minute, 
They understand you're going to find that place where there's that one bolt, Doug Coughlin, Tommy Wilson, friends of mine that I've grown up with, that you cannot hardly get your hand back behind the block between the engine and the firewall to get to that one bolt for the oil sending unit on the back of a 5.3. It's almost impossible. But you're not about to pull the engine to get to that one bolt. I do know, however, some people who, rather than carrying unique tools, have cut a hole in the bed of their pickup truck or even in the Suburban underneath the, the carpet so they can replace the fuel pump on the top of the tank rather than drop the tank. Yeah, they have latches and hinges in a little hole that they made themselves in the top of their truck bed so they can get access to the gas pump at the fuel pump without taking the gas tank out. That's pretty ingenious. But see, that happens because history tells you that you need to have a plan for the future. Good leaders take the time to exercise their brains and ask the question, what if, and what if, and what if, even when there is no history of that happening? What if there was a cataclysmic failure? What if the dollar wasn't any good tomorrow? What if the fuel supply, or the food supply, or the electricity supply, the energy supply, what if those went completely bad? Now what? What do you do when? Now, a good Boy Scout is always prepared for whatever is coming. Sometimes you can't be prepared for everything, but maybe having just one odd tool in your tool bag and your arsenal of things provides you the resources necessary. I would not be bored if there were an EMP because I've got enough books to keep me busy. I also know that if there were an EMP and all the information we rely on on the information superhighway, the search engines and other devices that provide us our knowledge and wisdom, if those things went kapooey tomorrow, I have enough to keep me busy. I also have enough that goes back far enough to say, if we had to start this over again, if we had to start the learning process over again, can we go back past yesterday? Do we have just yesterday's newspaper? Or do we have something that's a little more foundational that's been around for a minute? It's part of the reason I collect old books. Being prepared for what has not yet happened. There's no plan for it because there's no history to say that it has happened or it could happen. Kind of like building the ark. Kind of like Kitty Hawk. Kind of like all the other major firsts that we've experienced in life. Somebody had a plan when there wasn't yet a need for a plan. If you're a good leader, you're already asking those questions, what if? And some of the following the ellipsis of what if are the most ridiculous notions ever conjured up. What if 14 purple aliens fell out of the sky tomorrow and they ate everything that looks like a car? Well, the Amish would win. Those people who can still jump on a horse and ride 100 miles in a day, they would win. And those of us who rely on a car to get to Dairy Queen just to be able to eat, we'd be in trouble. What if? What if something you've never expected, never seen in history, never heard of before, the most wildly imaginative thing in the world, what if it happened? How would you be prepared for it? And if you haven't played that game, if you haven't done that exercise, I... I highly recommend you do it first by yourself and don't do it as a drinking game because you'll be nuts by the time it's over. But it is a good exercise to start and then to brainstorm with your team and say, 
What if? What's the most radical thing that could happen? What's the worst case scenario that could happen to us, to our team, to our product, to our services, to our marketing plan? What's the worst thing that could happen? Let me give you one closing scenario. There was a company that I knew of that used to make hundreds of thousands of dollars a month for one service they provided. They had an entire team of salespeople and administrators who would execute the service after the sale. What did they sell? Blast facts. You would send them a, a document. Maybe it's a, a computer-generated document or it's actually a printout or it's a drawing or it's a poster, it's a flyer, it's whatever. And when there were the days of direct mail and everybody got junk mail in their post office, in their mailbox or at the post office, you would get your postcards or flyers that way. Then they came up with the fax machine, which is like email, but before email. And so you would actually get on this telephone looking device that had a printer attached to it, you would get a message that was like instant. It was amazing. You didn't have to wait three days for it to come in the mail. And these people made millions of dollars soliciting to others to say, hey, I will send your message, your product or service, your special sale to everybody in your area code, whether you know them or not, whether you've ever had a conversation with them or not, kind of like direct mail. I will send them your facts. I'll just, I'll just send it to them. You'll, that flyer will just show up on their desk. They'll wake up in the morning. There it is. That's pretty effective flyers. That's pretty effective advertising. That's pretty effective marketing. But with the single stroke of a pen, what we now know as spam laws for spam email and things of that nature, or the spam robo calls, you know, all those calls where you get 52 calls a day and your phone goes, scam likely. <laughs> it's really likely that's a scam. Well, before those laws were put in place, you could send a fax to anybody you wanted to. In fact, if you got really mad at them, <clears throat> you'd send them several blank pages or several black pages so it'd use up all their toner and ink. And the single stroke of a pen, an executive order was signed, I believe it was President Bill Clinton, who said, enough with the faxes to everybody. People are getting tired of having the paper all over the floor when they come in in the morning and all their ink and toner gone. They're trying to use these devices for business and you're just burning them up. So stop it. One signature, one piece of paper, one radical morning, and a man's empire was gone. He didn't have a backup plan. Fax was his plan. Fax was where all of his money was coming from. He had an entire team of people that he employed, an entire business to run, an entire empire. And of course, all of his own personal life was funded by finance, by sending faxes, and instantly in a day with a single pin stroke, his empire is over. I want you to understand as a leader, you've got to be cognizant of these realities. You need to understand that with a pen stroke, your entire future could be eliminated. Your opportunity to generate wealth, gone. You've got to prepare and you've got to start now by asking, what if? What if? What if something happened that you've never imagined before? What would you do in that case? Maybe you need a turkey baster in your tool bag. Maybe you need that one socket with that one extension with that one ratchet. Maybe you need that one tool up your sleeve that says, if it all goes in a handbasket, where will I go next? As a leader, that's your job. Nobody else is doing it. Chances are you haven't taken the time to do it much either, but I'd recommend that you do that. There's a great book by John Maxwell called How Successful People Think. It's not a big book, but it's worth every minute of it. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast or tell it like it is TV. Have a blessed day.
Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom.